0: Welcome to Make Work Fun, the podcast exploring the fun side of the creator economy. Yeah. We're the show all about business with a bit less of the business. I'm Ben Bradbury. Friends, what is going on? Welcome to the weird and wonderful world of the creator economy. I am Ben Bradbury here from Work Week joined by my good friend and colleague Brett Deshevsky. Brett, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Excited to be here. Excited to talk creator economy uh, and excited to talk with you. Most importantly,
0: I appreciate that. Well, today we are going to dig into Walmart. Yeah, that's right. Walmart is getting into the creator game. What does that mean? We're going to talk about a question that I've been pondering, which I think is really important to think about for creators, which is to plant the seed for you. What feels like play to you that feels like work to other people, I think can unlock a lot of value. And then Brett, what stories have you got for our listeners today?
1: So I'm going to talk about TikTok Live, you know, TikTok's live streaming feature and how it's competing with Twitch and what that means for creators and brands like Walmart. Uh, And then I'm going to dive into Twitter, who rolled out once again, another feature called Circles uh, and how it mimics Instagram's close friends and how creators can leverage this to connect with their audiences. All right, let's
0: jump into it then. So going to our good friends at Walmart. Walmart's just filed for trademarks for Walmart Creator and Walmart Creator Collective. Why have they done this? Well, it seems like, according to an article in the New York Post, they are trying to launch their own creator platforms. This, I think, is actually a pretty smart move, because Walmart is one of these huge brands like Unilever, like Procter & Gamble, that just has tons and tons of brands underneath it. And so what they're trying to do here is make a play to make it easier for people with followings to promote their products and services. And Walmart will help with logistics, with fulfillment, and probably a bunch of other stuff on the back end. Brett, Walmart is keeping pretty tight-lipped about the whole thing, which I think is kind of strange. But what's your take on this so far? Do you think this is a good move or is it not? What should we be looking out for?
1: This is exciting news to hear that a company the size of Walmart with the reputation of Walmart is getting its tracks uh into the creator economy. And it makes sense because we've seen the rise of user-generated content, which is where brands go out and they connect with creators on TikTok or Instagram or wherever, wherever else uh, and have them, you know, promote products. Maybe do like a haul to open up packages and get in front of audiences of similar types of customers that they're aiming, right? 18 to 24, whoever it may be. And so Walmart build this out. They really start to gain control over a select group of creators to promote specifically like Walmart products that they sell. And so I think it could be huge for their e-commerce business, which they've been investing a ton into. That's rivaling Amazon after the acquisition of Jet.com. So this is a big play. And I'm curious to see if competitors like Target um, like Costco come in and start to build out their own creator collective. Like can you imagine that you're telling someone where do you work? Oh I, I'm a creator at Walmart. Yeah, this goes back to things that we that's wild. We were- It's wild. (laughs) We've been talking about these new titles that are emerging in because of the creator economy. And if like 20 years ago, I told someone like there is going to be a job called creator at Walmart. They're going to be like creator of what, like creator of products like in the factory or something. (laughs) It's like, no, like someone who creates literal content on this app called TikTok and YouTube uh, to help sell products. So so again, this is exciting. I can't say it enough. It makes me smile to see these massive legacy corporations getting involved in the creator economy um, and really, you know, paving the path.
0: Yeah. And also if you do a zoom out and look at history, my favorite subject, decades ago, newspapers, I'd uh, say a hundred years ago or so, newspapers held the power. So the journalists were the people that you had to court if you wanted to control public perception and media. But now the power exists in the individual because everyone has mobile phones, we're all plugged into the internet, we can get our message to millions in minutes. And so I think Walmart is responding to that opportunity. What I also think is kind of interesting is the, the, I think they are following a bit of a playbook here from Amazon. So five years ago in 2017, Amazon started offering influencers the ability to make their own online pages for certain recommended products, which are sold through amazon.com's marketplace. And then they'd earn a commission for every product that's purchased from their page. Why I think this is clever is these big legacy brands like Walmart, like Costco, they can offer a lot of the fulfillment already. So when it comes to actually shipping out the product or shipping samples to you, anything logistical really that requires a hardware lift, they've got you covered. And so your life as a creator can really be focused on doing what you do best, which is creating content. My big question though is, can they help with the digital activations as well? Because take Walmart, they're obviously amazing at Getting groceries bought off shelves, but do they know how to run a social media campaign? Can they help you with scheduling your posts? Can they help you with making sure your copy focuses on the brand voice, or are they going to be slowed down by bureaucratic corporate systems? I don't know, but I think it's a risk.
1: Perhaps Walmart will start to supply their their co- creators that are in this collective with ring lights and uh, you know all the proper technology they need to be successful. And again. We may start to see Walmart hiring like head of TikTok, right? Or head of of creators, creator managers that are managing a group of creators to help ensure that they are being uh, successful in promoting products and that they have all the resources they need to be successful. I love the bit about Amazon and how they started to build that. Like you can have your own site as a creator because I would be on TikTok and I would see someone post these new tools that they were using, and then they're like, you can buy it by clicking the link in my bio. The link in their bio would then lead to all these amazing products that they found on Amazon. So this feels like a delayed move by Walmart now that you're bringing that up and reminded me, but if they do it in a different way, I think they can create a really nice playbook for other brands to follow. But as we know, working with creators, it's not easy. Uh, and it does require a lot of uh, operations uh, and just a lot of expertise uh, with communicating creators and setting them up for success uh, so that they know their expectations and that they're actually driving value for Walmart or whichever company adopts this. And that's
0: the key thing. If you're able to drive value for the brand, the brand is going to keep you around. That is the case whether you're running an agency, whether you're a creator, whether you're going into your first job or your last job. That's the key. Just have that have that same attitude. Let's jump into our next story, Brett. You want to talk about TikTok Live?
1: Yeah, and this kind of ties into what Walmart is doing with shopping and getting creators involved in promoting products. So TikTok Live, which is TikTok's live streaming feature, uh, is currently performing better than expected in viewership and creator adoption, which is huge something like 62% of TikTok Live users watch it every single day. So that's pretty sticky that the users keep coming back to watch their favorite creators or brands produce live content. An interesting thing that I read from a LinkedIn creator, Dylan Harari, is that creators on TikTok Live aren't treating it like they do Instagram Live, which is generally more spontaneous streaming. Like, I'm just going to hop on. They literally plan it like they're on Twitch. So TikTok Mm. Live is turning into a competitor to Twitch. And that's something that I've noticed with my favorite creators on TikTok is that they will use their like short form content to drive folks to their live later in the day. And then like, I'll be laying in bed, scrolling TikTok and I'll come across my favorite creators live and I will tune in. And I am hooked. It's nice to see them like raw, live, and you can interact with them directly. And if they're looking to sell products or they're using something, people are like, what shirt is that? Or what speaker do you have in the background? And like, it literally, people are like, I'm going to go buy that and they can drop their link, right? What if they're a Walmart creator and they go on live and they're using these products? People are like, what are you using? And they drop the Walmart link. Brett,
0: why do you think that tiktok is mirroring twitch more than it mirrors instagram because if i just if you asked me honestly which one this mirrors i probably would have said ig reels because of the format consumption it takes up the whole the whole phone when i think of twitch i think more of a desktop viewing experience i also think of stuff that can be consumed in a social app rather than this longer form content but you're saying it's much more prepared much more polished like a professional Twitch streamer might be. So why do you think TikTok is going down that path?
1: The big issue with TikTok creators is that there is a lack of stickiness with following, as we mentioned in previous episodes about um, the VidCon situation where a creator with 10 million followers can barely fill up a room of 100 people, right, at VidCon, the video internet conference. So streaming and this this live streaming bit allows creators to build a much more intimate one-on-one connection with their audience. And that's why Twitch has grown in such popularity. People love sitting and watching their favorite creators, you know, play video games or, or cook, or we talked about in a previous episode, you know, keeping them up while they're trying to sleep. And so it makes sense for TikTok and they're realizing the value in live stream and how users are responding to it. And so that's why I think that they're choosing the Twitch route, because there's so much more long long uh, term value in live streaming. And then in turn, you start to see brands recognizing this. And there's a big push into live selling, which has been huge in China. Um, And basically, you'll go live and you can promote products and people like buy then and there. And the reason they're buying then and there is because they feel this intimate connection with the creator. So all in all, it goes back to just building intimacy. And unfortunately, short form video does not do a good job in building intimacy, especially uh, if you're following someone and you're just following them because they showed up in your feed. But TikTok Live is a bit more intentional, which is why uh, Twitch is a great model for that. It's such a trade-off, isn't it? You need to have somewhere where
0: you can build affinity with your audience, whether that's a live stream on Twitch, whether that's long-form videos on YouTube, whether that's a long newsletter or a long podcast, or even going to sit through an event. There needs to be some way that your audience gets high levels of surface area exposure with you. That's the thing that TikTok is really struggling with. I wonder if TikTok's going to struggle because it's built for short form consumption. It doesn't seem like a a live stream focused app, but you tell us, Brett, You've, you've been experimenting with this a little bit. What's the live streaming experience like on TikTok? And importantly, do you think they're doing anything innovatively that creators should be paying attention to?
1: So currently, if you're scrolling TikTok normal, a live stream may pop up in your feed uh, as though it's a normal short form video and uh, you can click into it and then it'll actually bring you into a whole TikTok feed of live content. So you can just scroll through live content, you know, like it's a freaking show um, and choose which ones hit. And so that's currently what the, the user experience is like. But you bring up a really great point about the fact that hooking people to, let's say, read your long newsletter or listen to your podcast, builds intimacy and trust with your brand. And if you're a TikTok creator who's able to have, I don't know, let's say 20,000 people join your live stream, but like a thousand of them stay on for the whole entire hour that you're on there. You have like a thousand true fans. And that's huge. And and it's gonna be big for TikTok to crack that code to hook people. And it's gonna be big for the creators who can, you know, hook their audiences to stick around. So I think what's innovative is just how they allow discoverability for uh, live stream videos by putting it in the same feed that all the other content is in. And then you can actually click into it and it brings you to a whole nother like universe of live content. But agreed, TikTok is built around like short hits. So to get users on the app to actually sit and watch for a long time is tricky, but I'm really optimistic and confident they're going to be able to do that successfully.
0: Ooh, you heard it here first, people. Well, in six months time, Brett, I'm coming for you if you got that wrong. We're going to play that soundbite in the podcast.
1: Oh, please do. C- call us out for all our hot takes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to have some challenges because it's, it's a platform that's built for short form, but we shall see. All right, so we're experimenting with a new segment today, everyone, called Food for Thought. And this is a quick one, and it's giving you a question for you to ponder as a creator, as someone who works in the creator economy, to help push your thinking. And that question is, what feels like play to you that feels like work to others? This year is the first year I feel like I can fully answer that question with my work. I'm working harder than I've ever worked at Workweek. I make no surprises about that. I'm also having more fun with my work than I ever have before. And it's not even by like a marginal gain. It's like a factor of five to 10 X. And I think it's because it feels like play because it plays to my strengths of working with people, helping see their strengths, helping build media that maps to that with, with podcasts, with other content now as well. Like that to me is what I live for. And so that's something that I'd invite you to think about is there's probably some tasks that you do that feel really easy. Don't take that for granted. Not everybody is going to find those tasks as easy to do as you. And that's really what you want to lean into because that's the stuff that feels like play. That's the stuff you should be compounding as well.
1: There's a Naval quote uh, that's, you know, when work feels like play, like no one can compete with you. And that's essentially what you're saying. You know, exactly. tap into the things that come easy to you and that you're able to rock it when you're completing it. You know, for me, I think it comes down to aligning your values with your work. So like if my value, right, is to be a part of something bigger than myself, my values are working on innovative projects with like-minded people, you know, striving to do greater good. Is If my work aligns with that and I'm able to carve that out, I feel like every task that is contributing to that feels like play and it feels fun. Obviously, there are certain things that uh, are like a learning curve for me or are challenges. But in a sense, if it aligns with that North Star that you have set, it feels like a game. I'm like, ooh, we got to – like we're at like level level 10 today. How are we going to break around this? Like recording this podcast today, I had to prep for it. That like felt like a high level. I'm like, all right, I got to sit down. Yeah. We, we got to like – it feels like I'm in a game. And then if we can do a successful podcast, it's like you get the points. So again, on my end, I think it just comes down to aligning your values with the work that you are doing. And a lot of those values need to be more intrinsic, right? It can't be, I want money. Mm-hmm. It has to be, I feel really good that I'm scaling creators and I'm part of that success and can see the success every single day. Like, that's amazing validation, as opposed to making a bunch of money that that gets old real quick and isn't always there. So it's tougher to find and tougher to have work feel like play when that's what you're seeking. Let's jump into our last segment for today, Brett. What have you got for us? Yeah, so Twitter just launched another feature called Circles. Um, This is Twitter's, like, 20th feature drop uh, in the last year, (laughs) and who knows? It's a lot. Yeah, there's been a lot that they've been testing out. I applaud them for that, but I'm hoping that something can stick that the users actually adopt. So the basis of circles, oh, <laughs> the basis of circles is that it's essentially like Instagram's close friends. So uh, you can basically add folks that follow you into this quote unquote circle. And when you're going to tweet, you can choose whether you want that tweet to be public so everyone can see it or you want it to be just for your circle. So suppose I create a circle of just work week creators or or the whole work week team. When I'm going to go tweet something perhaps about work or like a fun announcement, I can have it so that just you guys see it, which is you know interesting. It's playful. I, I don't know how useful it is, and I love this for Twitter because one, for folks that may find it to be daunting to tweet, this may kind of like lean them in, like slowly to hey, you can tweet to just your friends. You don't need to have it be public. Um, so come off private. You know, unlock your account uh, and just tweet to your friends, and then maybe it makes them more comfortable to tweet publicly, and their content can go viral. So. Ben, I'm curious your thoughts on uh, this Twitter feature. One, how do you see yourself potentially using it? And how do you see creators taking advantage of this feature if they even need to, or there's a, you know, an opportunity for them to take advantage of it? I think the question is how much do
0: people use Twitter to keep up with their friends versus their industry? For me, Twitter is an industry play. Instagram is for friends. So uh, that's why I like the close friends feature, because I can I can reach my friends. I do think there's an interesting precedent here with with Twitter, though, which is the communities feature. So I'm part of a number of podcasting and media communities, and I can post tweets specifically to that subgroup. And it took me a while to get my head around this, of why would I post to less people, not more? But actually if the community is very curated then instead of me reaching say just over a thousand followers of everybody i can reach 200 podcasters or 50 media operators so i'm immediately getting in front of the right people and that's actually really valuable because you're you don't have to sift through the attention in the main feed it's a, it's a targeted post to the community so i think those community posts are really valuable and and great for creators The question though is, does that same model apply when it's not to an industry? I probably wouldn't use it personally, but I know the internet is a very big place. I'm sure there are people that do use it for their friends. And in that case, it could potentially be useful.
1: Twitter came out with a communities feature not too long ago that I actually took advantage of and created a a New York City creator economy community. Oh, cool. It's basically like Facebook groups. I have to invite you to it. I'll invite you to it. And maybe we can figure out how to make it a bit more active.
0: I was gonna say, what the hell? I don't know about
1: this. <laughs> well, you're yeah, you're new. You're new to New York, and uh, just like every other Twitter feature, I it fell out of my radar. <laughs> another you know another shot fired there at Twitter. Love Twitter though. Love Twitter. Uh, oh, please please don't make yeah, Twitter podcast, no enemies. Yeah, I have no energy. Twitter.
0: Uh, <laughs> we need Twitter.
1: Twitter actually sent me a care package because I they interviewed me for like their Twitter business thing, and so I have Twitter glasses now that I drink water out of, and a Twitter blanket. Wow. So I'm like Twitter Stan. <laughs> Uh, my girlfriend hates you can it. snuggle with your tweets. Yes. It, oh my it's, God. it's like, can't get off the app. <laughs> you now I literally sleep in it. But Twitter has a community feature and it's almost like Facebook groups in a way, but it just did not catch on as much. So there is a community play here. And I think uh, based off all of these features that Twitter is rolling out, they're really trying to figure out how to hack community uh, and get into there. Uh, an idea I had that creators can take advantage of is if they have a newsletter and they're looking for referral rewards, what they could do is make uh, one of the referral rewards that if you refer, let's say, five people to my newsletter, you can get access to my Twitter circle, right? Come inside my Twitter circle. And that way, the audience is able to build a deeper connection with that creator by getting access to, say, exclusive content or behind the scenes stuff. And the audience can get access to exclusive content and behind the scenes stuff and then this way, the creator begins to actually understand who on Twitter is like a top fan of theirs, right? Who is referring their newsletters to others and then who is also on Twitter and interacting with them the most. So it's kind of like semi-building community, semi-giving you a better understanding of who your top fans are if there's that way. And I know that there's super followers feature on Twitter, but I don't know how that's been performing. So excited to see you know, how it works if we don't see it. Um, In the next two months, we know that it faded out and it wasn't a success. But again, (laughs) applaud Twitter for what they're trying out. And uh, I want to be optimistic that this works in some sense and that creators can hack it, uh, you know, to be beneficial to them.
0: I do think what's worth taking away from this as well is the rate of innovation at Twitter. They are clearly their product team is doing something right, which is they're able to ship very quickly and test. And that's something that you can apply to the world of media. You shouldn't be attached to one thing. If it's not working, cool, move on to the next piece of content, move on to the next theme, move on to the next medium. Like keep testing until you find your thing. I was creating on LinkedIn for ages, built up a pretty good audience. And then I realized that actually my passion lies with audio and lies with now with video content and events and courses. And it took me years to figure that out though. So keep plugging away. You guys are doing great. Brett, any last messages for our listeners before we wrap up today? I
1: think that's a great takeaway. What you said, keep iterating, tap into your inner Twitter, try things out, find where, you know, what works (laughs) and what doesn't, where your interests lie, uh, and keep on keeping on, keep creating, keep operating. And uh, let's keep building this creator economy to be the, the best it can be. And the most exciting it can be.
0: Hell yeah. Well, I promise this podcast isn't sponsored by Twitter, but Twitter, if you do want to uh, sponsor this (laughs) and definitely at me, it's at Ben Bradbury underscore at Brett dash underscore, you know where to find us listeners and we will see you next time. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Keep the fun coming by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? It really helps us spread our message. We'll see you next time.